You're listening to The Profile. Hi, welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing Christian leaders in the church and charity worlds and in the wider culture. It was John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence for God, whether in the home, at church, in your workplace or elsewhere. The show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. If you want to be an effective leader, and if you want your effectiveness to improve, analysing the quality of your conversations will be key. There may be settings where you can get by with being poor at conversations, but as Christians in leadership, we will want to be exhibiting the love and grace of God as we speak with others. So how do we communicate better? And what if we're actually tripping ourselves up by making constant mistakes that we're not aware of when we speak with people? Well, I'm joined this week on The Leadership Show by Steve Cochran, the co-founder of Giant Worldwide and a director of Giant London, co-authored a number of books with his business partner, Jeremy Kubicek. And today we're going to be chatting about their new book, Cracking the Communication Code, Unlock Every Relationship, One Conversation at a Time. So welcome, Steve, to The Leadership Show. Thanks, Andy. Honoured to be with you. The, the book flows out of your consulting work with with giant um so a few words about what you do with with giant and how the book is kind of one of the fruits of your work giant licenses um intellectual property and technology now to uh, roughly a thousand consultants coaches around the world who use the tools we've developed but all the tools really were developed out of jeremy and mine's failure um i think that's the reason why it works so well that basically as we've struggled in our own relationships with each other, with our spouses, and as we've helped clients deal with their issues, we've effectively built tools and resources for those real issues. And I, I hope that's why people find them so practical, because if they're not practical and useful, then in the end, uh, they don't last very long in our world. And communication code is probably the most practical and probably personally the one that changed my marriage the most. So that's probably why I'm most passionate about this and excited to share it with the world. Well, that's great to hear. And you have a you've connected to church in the past as well. You've been uh, yeah. In, the name, well, I mean, in theory, in theory, I, I, I'm still a reverend and I'm still a, a Baptist pastor. But in oh, a yeah. sense, I probably do. I do more work of Christian ministry than I ever did as a pastor. And I'm also an elder and a trustee in our local church as well here in Beaconsfield. So, yeah, I still um, have a I would say that the more successful your life becomes and the more glamorous the people you work with, it's all our consultants. I go, it's really important you're earthed in the ordinariness of a local Christian community with all its dysfunction and challenges, because I think it, it's just been a very good grounding for me anyway. Well, that's good. Good to hear, Steve. Um, now, in my introduction, I alluded to your belief that we have communication codes. Uh, and in the book, you use the illustration of the Enigma code and Alan Turing yes. in World War Two and the importance yeah. of that uh, for for Britain, really, in its uh, ability to understand what the Germans were doing. Yeah, I mean, I think not everyone's as much of a Second World War history buff as I am. But the I think the principle is this, is that if someone has encoded a message, 
if you don't have an, a way of accessing um, what they're really trying to say, you usually end up with frustration. And so we have this analogy, which is transmission of information is not the same as communication. So I can transmit information to you, but unless you actually hear it, are able to interpret it and respond in a way that shows me you've understood it, uh, transmission has not completed the communication process. And so that analogy, I think, for us was helpful because once you have the code, you actually have a way of interpreting and understanding not just the, the transmission of the words that someone's sending to you, but also how they would like you to respond to that transmission and therefore to give communication a much better chance of working. Well, obviously, you're, you're going to be wanting people to to buy the book. Uh, so we, we can't give up all the secrets in this conversation. Oh, well, obviously, um, no. But, I mean, I mean I, understanding your own styles forged from the past, I understand is part yeah. of you understanding Absolutely. who you are. Uh, are you able to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I was probably one of the least emotionally intelligent 30-year-olds. Um, <laughs> hopefully, at the age of 53, I am considering more relationally intelligent. Um, and I think that, that the understanding that when we're, when we're talking to people who are wired like us, we can be accidental in our communication. And in a sense, because we have the same codes, we get each other and we don't really have to worry about it. Now, a lot of us, if we marry young, marry opposites in personality and wiring. And Helen and I are complete opposites um, in every dimension of any form of life we've come across. So here's the thing is, what that means is when I, when either of us are accidental and we just respond with our default way of communication, we often end up missing each other and we often end up miscommunicating in that process. So, you know, there are, there are five communication codes. I honestly don't mind whether people buy the book or not. Um, a lot of people will use the resources. That's more important than anything else. But if you think of basically, we all have what we call a default communication code. So when somebody transmits information for me, if I don't think about it and just reply the way I would normally reply, I'm always looking to collaborate to make what you've shared better. I love problem solving. I inherently believe anything can be better. And I also usually, whether I mean to or not, are offering a degree of critique of where you currently are. So my intent is usually collaboration, but in the past, sometimes people experience it as critique. Helen, my wife, actually her default communication codes are care and clarify. <laughs> so in a sense, you can see without any form of resource to help us understand what was going on, Helen and I would often be commun trying to communicate with each other. And particularly, Helen would feel that I was often being critical, where actually all I was trying to do was be helpful. Um, you know, I tell one story in the book, which is the worst date night ever, which probably is the, the best story of it, where this is Helen and I with no tools, no nothing of communication. Helen says, you know, it's date night tonight, but I'm really struggling, Steve. I'm not sure whether we're going to be able to go out. And I'm like, well, OK, what's what's the matter? And Helen shares two or three things that are really bothering her. And I'm thinking, well, this is this is going to be a great date night because I can already think of ways that we can solve those particular issues. So I went to the office, wheeled in the whiteboard into the into the drawing room, started writing with my pens the three issues and started processing them with some suggestions of how things could be different because that's what I thought Helen had asked for. 
turns out that wasn't true she's now in tears you don't get me at all and i go you're right i don't get you at all you just told me what your challenges are i've just tried to help solve and put some solutions together and now you're in tears and by the way people pay me a fortune for doing this <laughs> this is this is what i do for a living do you see what had happened that actually helen wasn't asking for collaboration or critique all she wanted to know was to care which by our definition is steve i just want you to be present <laughs> don't judge me on what i say what i say out loud is probably nothing to do with what i'm really feeling I just want you to be present emotionally with me, not to try and fix me, not to try and solve me, but to simply know that you're willing to be present with me in my challenge. Well, had Helen told me that at the time, I'd have had a much better chance of responding with a greater degree of relational intelligence. Now, you know, 70% of men are thinkers in, in Myers-Briggs, Jungian type, which means critique, whether they like it or not, will almost certainly be in one of their two default communication codes. And for women, 70% of those are feelers. And a lot of those will have care as their primary communication code by default. Have a guess what happens when both are accidental in communication. It feels we don't hear each other, but we also don't really understand why it's not working. And that's the place anywhere most people reach almost limited expectations in what's possible because it's like i'm trying everything i know to make a relationship work that i'd love to work well but i've tried everything and we almost keep missing each other still that's the heart that lies behind the the communication code as a way simple enough that children can use but a way in which you can restore communication and particularly for people in the relationships that we we love most i mean i work with a number of very very well-known ceos and <laughs> it's interesting how they always hire us initially to work with their team and organization and culture but actually a lot of the time as a year in it's helping the work with their marriage and their kids which is the thing they find the most difficult so you know i'm not the only one who struggles with this stuff sure well i was going to say uh whether they ask you whether there was a, a male female dimension and you um you know uh, highlighted that Yes, it is a male, male, female dimension, but it's also the, the the preference of of most men and most women in that communication. Yeah, but to remember that there's thirty percent of males that are feelers by nature, mm. and and vice versa. So it's not it's just a principle, and sure. that actually in a sense, it it's often where the communication becomes the most difficult. And I don't think people well, everyone knows moments when they they're trying really hard with a colleague at work or you know, a child of theirs or a spouse or whatever, a friend. And whatever they try, it doesn't seem to work. And that's usually um, the reason being is that you're missing each other. It's a bit like Enigma again. You're sending information, but you haven't given them a way of decoding the intent, which lies behind how you would wish they would respond. Yeah. Um, and Steve, what we're talking about, of course, is not easy. Um, you, you have a chapter know. on the importance of clarity. And um, from what you've just said, I'm I'm guessing that being clear is is part of the journey, using the correct language and focus. But of course, it's not the whole. It, the words you use is not the whole thing. But nevertheless, finding clarity is clearly quite important. Well, I think when you ask people what is it you want to receive most first in in communication, it, it's interesting how clarify is often right at the top because the first thing people usually want to know is. 
I want you to take the time to listen and to really understand what I'm saying. And if that means asking some clarifying questions, because I'm not sure I'm going to get it all out in the beginning, it's when people kind of almost finish your sentences for you, assume they know what you're saying and then move into either collaboration or critique or whatever it might be, that that's one of those places where the art of making sure you've really understood what someone's trying to say and really listen. So Jeremy, my business partner, is different to Helen, clarifies number one for him and and, and collaborates number two. So we're easier to communicate. But for him, he needs to know that I'm really prepared to listen because a lot of people are not as clear in their external communication as they think they are. For those who speak five voices or, you know, it's like when you have creative near the, the top of your voice, you usually think you've been clearer than you have been. And so that was one of those ones, to your point, where actually taking the time, particularly when you're an activist like me that almost wants to launch into solution mode, I've learned that the biggest difference for me in the intentional process of going, I will even now ask somebody, even if someone doesn't know the communication code, if you said something to me, I, I may go, Andy, hey, before I respond, give me some clues of what you're hoping happens here. Do you want me to just celebrate and be with you or... Are you invited, just want me to care and listen? Are you asking me to clarify and to really ask some good questions to help you get it out? Are you inviting me to collaborate so we can make it better? Or is it going live in a day's time and you really want me to critique it to give me the best thing? So if you think about it, there are only five codes. They all begin with C, so they must be of the Lord. Um, alliteration <laughs> is a sign of divine blessing. But it's simple enough without becoming simplistic. And even putting in that simple conscious competence process i mean some some of you listening are exceptional listeners you know there are people like helen my wife who is amazing at being present with people and listening there are other people like me who find that a really challenging skill set but that actually as with all skill sets you can improve it and i think that's the other piece of the book we've tried to define those five communication codes as skills and to be really practical and say, hey, if you struggle to celebrate, here's some practical ways you can do it. Or if you care is a real challenge. So that that's kind of trying to make it as practical as possible, because what we really want is we want to see um, relationships enhanced, deepened. And we know that only really happens, Andy, when when people feel they hear each other. I did it at a conference in Manchester, a keynote on communication code. And at the end, the guys on the sound desk, young lads came up to me and they said, Oi, mister, can we have a word? I can't do Manchester, so forgive <laughs> me. But um, they said, we have to listen to a lot of crap. Uh, well, I won't use the exact words they <laughs> use, but they, we're here most days, this is the GMAX, so we listen to a lot of crap. But we listen to what you shared. And three of us believe, had we heard that two years ago, we might still be married. These were oh, young wow. Asian men. And it was like there's a power that happens when people feel heard, valued, and appreciated. And I would say, you know, you see marriage preparation for part of my role. Nobody ever sat on my couch hoping it would end in a nasty divorce, arguing over who got custody of the children because they they found that they didn't really are able to communicate anymore. Or mm. the amount of business part businesses we've helped launch over the years. No business partners ever sit around the table going, I really hope this ends with us in legal courts, arguing over intellectual property and finances. And so nobody wants relational breakdown, but relational breakdown is all around us. 
And we would believe that most relational breakdown happens over time when relationships find it more and more difficult to communicate with each other. Steve, most leaders will at some point probably need to critique either someone or something. Um, In fact, you'll probably know that too often pastors, because they are on the kind of caring end, don't don't address issues that need addressing (laughs) at all. And it kind of they, they fester and because they can't they don't have the words or the courage to. So any thoughts on on how you critique uh, either someone's behavior or someone's uh, what someone's yeah. done? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. There's probably more tools required. But if I if I limit my scope at the moment, sure. what I say is if critique is experienced as criticism, then you've missed the mark. Yeah. So I think the key thing is, is when when you believe that, for example, someone's maybe their behavior or something that they're doing you believe is not for their best or not what we would believe would be kind of appropriate for a Christian in their lives. I would usually ask people for permission to say, uh, we have a a, a tool called the support challenge matrix, which says, if I'm going to be a liberating influence in your life, if I'm going to create a culture of empowerment and opportunity, I'm going to try and imitate what Jesus did for his people by calibrating high support and high challenge. So I'll often ask people to go, I say this, do you believe I'm for you at first? If they don't believe you're for them, then the communication is never going to work. And they go, Steve, yes, I know you're for me. Are you giving me permission to be a liberating influence in your life where actually you know that I'm going to calibrate support and challenge to try and create empowerment and breakthrough? And if they say to me, Steve, yes, because in a sense, it takes time to build that trust. And with Jesus, support and invitation always came before challenge. <laughs> you know, come follow me, come be with me. Allowed that as the relationship deepened for some quite profound challenge to happen. So for me, I think you have to earn the right to bring challenge. And I think critique for it not to be experienced as criticism is probably better experienced through the lens of high challenge. And in which case then, it is always matched with high support as well. So if you are just bringing critique and challenge to someone's lifestyle, but you have no relationship with them, or they haven't experienced support from you in the past, it's almost inevitable that that critique will be experienced as criticism. So I would say you have to earn the right, usually to bring challenge, And in the end, if the person trusts you and knows you're for them and wants the best, they will give you the permission to bring that high challenge, even if it's not what they want to hear. But I think that's so critique for me is usually used when something is about to go live. (laughs) You know, it's like there's a project that goes live tomorrow. And if the code's wrong or if we've missed something, it's going to be disastrous. Please have at it. Another one might be, you know, you're about to get married next week. <laughs> is is there any reason why actually you really believe this is the wrong decision? Because we're running out of time. Support challenge, I think, is a, a better framework for bringing challenge, particularly in our culture today, where, in a sense, ch- challenge can often be interpreted as abuse. So I think pastors have to be incredibly careful <laughs> when actually, in a sense, that accusation of, well, 
in a world where effectively, well, my world is me and I'm allowed to decide who I am, what I do and how my world relates to me. You have to be extra careful in earning the right to speak that level of challenge, particularly for a way to be heard as as liberating, I believe. Andy. Steve, that's enormously helpful. I think that that those two prongs of 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 connection and communication. So thank you. Um, one of the key dimensions for communication is attitude, of course. Um, many years ago, I read uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which included the habit yeah. win win. And you talk yes. about collaboration uh, in 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 your book. Um, so yeah. talk me through your, the, the attitude of collaboration. So collaboration, we, we, we define each one. So what you know, collaborate is um, I help make this better. I'm inviting you to bring your expertise and insights because I believe together we can make something better than I would have on my own. So collaborate is a communication code which you send when you really want the other person to, in many ways, build and help on improve what you already have. So in a sense, win-win was as much in kind of communication and negotiation. Collaboration is we win together rather than you win, I win. We win, I think, is probably the better way to describe it. And it always requires a degree of humility because when you say to somebody, hey, here's the here's where I've got it so far, can you make it better? I'm really open to collaboration. That is because somebody is going to bring when they bring collaboration, it will feel a little bit like you're it's not as good as it could have been. So either we get a bit defensive at that point and experience it as critique, or we actually go, no, I did ask for this and together we can make it better. So one example would be is Helen and I are complete opposites, but our collaboration in parenting actually creates synergy because we have complementary superpowers. And because we both understand those, I'm very good at creating big picture vision and inspiration of how the girls' lives can change the world. Helen is very, very good at making sure that the metronomic day-to-day, you know, I inspired them all to be pianists and musicians and all kinds of things. Well, I'm if it had been me in charge of the day-to-day implementation of practice, driving to rehearsals, all those things... But we've been able to collaborate because we've learned how to celebrate each other's superpowers. So that for me is the the collaboration is the greatest joy. You know, human beings were made for relationships. You know, it's not good for us to be alone. I think that's the the loneliness epidemic and the kind of the remains of COVID are just people feel isolated, lonely. I think collaboration, true collaboration is one of, um, for me anyway, the great joys I love doing collaboration i know some people find it more difficult but win-win um or just we win together that for jeremy my business partner he said is it's when we celebrate he likes to celebrate what we've achieved together my default is often i like to be celebrated for what i've achieved and that's kind of the difference in personality um but again you know, the more you know yourself, the more you can lead yourself. And the more you know those around you, the more you're able to create true collaboration and synergy and in many ways, vibrancy, I hope, and greater degree of colour because we're we're able to allow others to complement, you know, in, in, in biblical language, you know, we're one body, but we're many parts. And how does every part get to be honoured, respected and play its contribution? That's you know, I guess the ultimate collaboration is when a, a body works in unity 
towards a common purpose, which is healthy and good. Excellent, Steve. Well, we're coming to the end, but just uh, uh, share, as you will, really, of of the work of Giants and how people might want to get in touch. You you work with a with particularly specialist type of leaders, I appreciate. So it may not be a a general kind of yes, get in touch. But who who would be the kind of people you would want to work with? I mean, I think the honest answer is Giant has Giant works with companies as big as Google, Microsoft, you know, Apple, some of the ones you've heard of but all the way down to literally mom and pop shops, schools, churches, wherever you have people trying to work together in teams and organizations, then the toolkit we've created basically will help you do relationships more effectively. And everything shows that basically where teams are able to harness the superpowers of everyone around the table, they outperform the ones that don't. So I think that's, and by the nature of the business we've created and that you know people can access all the resources on the platform with $10 a month well it's not um impossible because a lot of people think well expensive consulting is beyond me so i think that's the thing of going if you're in a team or even if you just like a relationship to work better we've built a toolkit for the new world that's visual for children believe it or not we found if an educated 13 year old could understand it use it and teach their friends it was much more likely to scale but what we're really doing is saying we will make individuals and teams and organizations more relationally intelligent. And the more relationally intelligent you are, the more chance you are of actually a creating that synergy and collaboration and performance that ultimately um, we look for. Steve, it's been terrific to chat with you. So thank you so much. Pleasure, Andy. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was super to chat with Steve Cochran. I especially found his analysis of the importance of support alongside challenge when seeking to critique someone especially helpful. Do the people I might critique understand that I'm for them? Do they believe that I'm concerned about their personal flourishing? And I think that was a a great insight for me. Uh, So if you want to know more, uh, do uh, get a copy of the book. It's uh, Cracking the Communication Code. Uh, colon unlock every relationship one conversation at a time uh, steve cockram his uh, surname spelled c-o-c-h-r-a-m and his co-author jeremy kubacek uh, j-e-r-e-m-i-e-k-u-b-i-c-e-k and uh, steve shared uh, with me afterwards that uh, you can get a copy of the uh, giantworldwide.com newsletter if you're interested in keeping in touch with the kind of work that they're doing and maybe uh, collaborating yourself or uh, receiving their services. So www.giantworldwide.com newsletter. So lovely to have had your company this today and look forward to you joining us once again. Bye for now.